0: Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, Jerry and I are breaking down the Pope's new document, Querida Amazonia, or Beloved Amazon. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry.
1: Good afternoon from Rome, Colleen. We've had little rain for two months. <laughs>
0: We finally got our first taste of, uh, of spring this past weekend, so that was really nice. All right, Jerry, we have a big story this week, which is the document Carita Amazonia. It's Pope Francis's follow-up document from the Amazon Synod. It came out last week. I posted a little update in the podcast feed about some of the hot-button issues uh, and what Francis said, since people were wondering about that. But uh, this week, let's go into some depth about this document. So, I was thinking the first place we could start was uh, that Pope Francis met with a group of American bishops. They've been in Rome for their ad limina visits. Um, he met with them the day after the document came out, and he told them that he was not happy with the way that the media latched onto uh, these hot-button issues like married priests. Um, so, let's talk about why.
1: Well, it's, very, it's obvious, I think. Uh, he had this concern even before the Synod started. He felt, as had happened also in the Synod on the Family, that the media would get locked onto one issue, and which certainly wasn't the only issue, not even the main issue of the document. And he felt it very strongly here that the central issue here was an issue that touched the Amazon, but also had an impact on the whole of humanity the question of what is going to happen to the Amazon and its peoples.
0: Right. I, I, I was watching the, uh, the press conference that I know that you attended at the Holy See Press office when they launched this document, and it was very striking the difference between, you know, there was this panel of five people presenting the document, and they all were talking about so many different aspects of this, you know, all of the environmental concerns. We talked about um, women in leadership and so on. And uh, and then, like almost every single reporter who got up, asked the same question over and over about married priests. Um, part of that was because there was a question about clarity, but it was just very striking to see the big difference in in the focus areas here.
1: Yes, but that doesn't mean that the press was right and the panel were wrong. Was wrong?
0: No, no, absolutely not. It was it was just a big difference. So let's talk about these big issues uh, that that we wanted to talk about. So the primary issues of the Synod, like you were saying, really were the protection of the environment, of Indigenous people, Indigenous culture especially, um, along with the growth of the church in the Amazon region. And we've talked before on the show, especially in our prep for this Synod, about how these are extremely urgent issues right now in this region um, because... These economic interests continue to drive corporations to deforest the Amazon. They're driving young people out of their native places into into cities, and those can be places where then they, you know, lose touch with cultures. But they're also subject to poverty. They're subject to you know possibly cycles of crime. Um, I, I think that one way for us to get into a good conversation about the importance of this document when it comes to these urgent issues and to to see the urgency of them would be to talk about the response from the people who hold power in the region, um, who were broadly not very happy with this document. Um, can you tell us about some of the reactions from those people?
1: Well, for one, the president of Brazil, Bolsonaro, he, he said uh, the Pope is speaking as if he owned the planet, as if the planet wasn't ours. And he clearly hadn't read the document, because the document very made very clear that the Pope is against the internationalization of the Amazon. He says the responsibility for the Amazon is with the governments of each country. And he makes clear that groups, both economic groups, both inside and outside the country, take advantage of, of the situation there just for economic interests.
0: Right, and Bolsonaro has been in favor of, of those kinds of policies within his government in Brazil, right? He, he's introduced a few laws about this. Well,
1: he's introduced legislation, which hasn't yet got through the Congress, which would change the present situation of the indigenous peoples because at present, the legislation says an outside group cannot go into the indigenous people's reserves without their consent. Bolsonaro's legislation suggests there's an overriding interest, and consent is not necessary in many places. Remember, on the panel, you had a prize-winning scientist from Brazil.
0: Right, Nobel Prize winner, yeah.
1: Exactly. He made very clear that we're at a tipping point He says, we're very near the edge. It's very clear around the world that the climate is heating. And this is going to have disastrous effects. But if the forest is destroyed, and if the extractive mining continues as it's doing, then that will certainly have negative effects on the climate and will help to raise the temperature of the world to the detriment of everybody.
0: But as we've talked about before, you know, there's there's this opposition between the kind of desire to preserve the rainforest and um, a lot of these countries' desires for, you know, profit now, which which involves deforesting the rainforest. Jerry, I wanted to ask you about, um, I don't know, we, we've talked a little bit, we talked during the Senate especially, about the importance of the church standing with the marginalized in the Amazon uh, this was a big theme, and it's a big theme in this document, too. And I kind of wanted to ask you, whenever Francis speaks out about political matters, m- my question is always whether it's going to make a difference, like whether the Church throwing its power behind marginalized people is going to help or or not.
1: For sure, and this is the reason why there's such resistance in certain quarters, because right now, as Francis states clearly in the document, the indigenous peoples are powerless, the inhabitants of the regions are powerless, and the winner takes all. Francis is effectively in the document calling for the church to stand with the people to itself get organized within the Amazon region. So he wants the nine churches in the nine countries to get together And to cooperate with the organizations of civil society, non-governmental organizations, people of goodwill, who see the great danger, not only locally, but also globally. And he says, together, you can change. He said before, when he spoke in Santa Cruz in Bolivia to the popular movements, he says, Don't leave it all to the politicians and to the leaders. Start at the grassroots. You can change because you are a force that can change history.
0: It sounds a lot like what he says to young people all the time.
1: Absolutely. And he appeals to young people in this document too, because the young people are more sensitive to these issues. And he, he calls in the document for the young people of the indigenous peoples to defend your culture, also de- to take up the cause of justice in in your homelands. Right. And this is the reason some people think that the push to focus, focus, focus on married priests or women deacons is in a way a distraction from this even more important issue more central issue and plays into the hands of the economic interests.
0: Right. I, I saw that analysis too that said, you know, this is primarily the, the married priests thing being being petted in the media is mostly a concern of, you know, folks in the like English speaking West who have a lot of economic resources. And when you talk to folks in the Amazon region itself, you know, this this receives kind of a different perspective. Like I talked to um, a young woman, Leah Casimero, who was a synod auditor. She's only a couple years older than me. I think she's 27 and she runs a bilingual uh, indigenous language and English speaking school and uh, creates curricula that focus on preserving indigenous culture. But she, you know, didn't even bring up married priests. She said, yeah, I'd like to see, you know, more lay people in Ministry mostly because the people who were trained the last time a priest came around to our part of Guyana, uh, they were trained a long time ago, and now these people are are dying out or are you know no longer able to do their ministry. So, in that way, she would like to see more lay people. But yeah, it's it's there's been mixed reactions across the region to married priests. So maybe maybe we can talk about that now.
1: The central question is not married priests. The central question is, can the communities have the Eucharist regularly? Right. And Francis' answer to this, he says, there are three, three, four answers he gives. He said, first of all, we have already got a lot of priests in the region, but many of them have gone off to Europe or North America. Mm-hmm. We're talking about thousands. He said, they don't want to work in the Amazon zone. And also priests who are living in these countries don't want to work in the Amazon zone. So he says we must change the formation and the ongoing formation of priests so that they're sensitive to these issues. That's his first solution. Secondly, he says we have got to pray for vocations. He says the bishops have to do this. He's called on the, the Latin American bishops, especially, to provide missionaries. And thirdly, he is insisted so much. On developing a lay culture, right. what comes out very strongly is Francis's vision of communities, call them parishes if you wish, throughout the Amazon region, where the lay people are actually running the parishes, and where you might have an itinerant priest, missionaries, priests coming, and he also envisages the possibility of an Amazonian rite mm-hmm. in which. Of course, it's also possible that the liturgy takes up the popular piety in a way, but also in that Amazonian rite, you could well have married priests. He doesn't say that, but it came up in the Synod.
0: You touched on a lot of the important things to consider here. Um, I think that we should kind of go through and, and maybe talk a little more about each one of them individually. You know, as I was hearing about these different things that Francis would like to see the Church to do, I was also reminded of the reason that we're talking about, you know, the possibility of ordaining married men to begin with, which is that the Church is kind of low on, uh, I don't know, human resources right now uh, in terms of, like, ordained people. Um, and so, it I don't know, I guess it was kind of surprising to me that he was asking the Church to do more when it seems like they are struggling with you know diminishing resources i don't know were you, were you surprised by this decision not to not to maybe directly address the question of married priests
1: i didn't expect him to endorse married priests like that uh, remember francis has said here that he's putting the final document of the synod which includes that question before the whole church He doesn't just want it studied by the people in the Amazon. He says before the whole church, and he's asking them to apply that document.
0: Right. We should clarify what we're talking about here. This was a big question in the the press conference, too, which is why all those reporters got up and asked about it. Um, Francis officially presented the Synod bishops' document of recommendations alongside his own document, and people were, were not sure what that meant, right? That's what they kept asking about. Because the recommendation document did suggest ordaining married men and Francis' document didn't. So so the question here was, you know, what weight do we give those recommendations?
1: Well, Francis takes that document very seriously. And he wants the whole church, the church in North America and South America, the church in Asia and the Church in Africa and you in Europe to read that document, read all the proposals, and he said to apply them. So they have to see some of which can be applied quite quickly, others which may take a long reflection. People wanted a black-and-white answer. He says yes, or he says no to married priests. He doesn't give a black-and-white answer.
0: Yeah, he kind of punts it back to the local church.
1: Francis watched the synod. He saw that there were two blocks in the synod. There was the group who totally opposed this idea and that included most of the senior officials of the Roman Curia, and there was a bloc which were really enthusiastic, pushing, pushing for it. And it was especially from the Brazilians, but also some of the other uh, countries. And then he saw some were not so sure, but he saw a kind of a polarization and. Indeed, as he told the American bishops, I, I didn't see the spirit working in that polarization.
0: Right. That's a really important comment um, because, you know, I, I've seen people saying, well, the vote on the proposal for married priests had the most no votes in the synod, but was still supported by an overwhelming majority. And so, if, if you were just playing a numbers game here, if you were just deciding this based on kind of the democratic process of the synod, then, then it would have passed. But, The real question here and what's revealing about Francis' decision-making process is this part about the Holy Spirit and where he's seeing that working.
1: Yes, and there's a second point. The proposal as it came from the Synod was that for the ordination of married deacons, mm-hmm. not mature and married men, right. just married deacons. And Francis points out very clearly in his document there are not very many of those in the in the, in the region.
0: No. Bishop Flock, actually, he's, he's an American who works in Bolivia. He's a bishop in Bolivia. He said that would have been a non-starter anyway because he doesn't have any permanent deacons in his diocese.
1: Uh, absolutely. The, the net result wouldn't have brought an no- enormous number of uh, priests into the Amazon. The problem would still be there. So Francis saw within the synod that there wasn't this let's say discernment going on mm-hmm. there was positions being taken kind of I wouldn't say like a football team but one group against another and he felt now the time is not right yet for this i don't detect the spirit at work and so he what has he done he hasn't said yes he hasn't said no he hasn't thrown the proposal in the dustbin he said Take all these proposals back to the whole church. Let it be discussed in the whole church. Let all of the proposals, not just this single one, but all of the proposals, and then let's see what happens. It's part of the synodal process.
0: Mm-hmm. So the way I read this was that you know I, I was trying to imagine how this would play out if if like the church wanted to go forward with proposing uh, married priests officially to Francis, and I. I it, to me, I was thinking that it would look something like Ray Pam, which is the Amazonian bishops, uh, kind of bishops' conference, bishops' group, getting together and hammering out exactly what this would look like and then making a formal proposal to Francis. Is that how how it would work?
1: Well, I think he envisages something different from Ray Pam.
0: Okay.
1: As Cardinal Cerny explained, I think, to you, mm-hmm. he envisages, or else to me, in, in, in an interview.
0: We did both interview him the same day.
1: Yeah. He envisages a church organism, it's not clear yet, which would take on board some of these issues. For example, the Amazonian right. Mm -hmm. But that will take time to create a right. I, I think a more, let's say, a more reflective read of the document of Querida Beloved Amazonia and the final document of the Synod will open up new horizons that are still not evident to people today.
0: Right. That was a big thing that Francis said in this document. He he said it after he said his part about women's leadership, um, which was that he would not approve of ordaining women to the diaconate. But he called for, and I thought this was meant to be read as uh, kind of a reflection of the whole document and all of the solutions that need to be found, he called for creative solutions to be found that you know, aren't in line with one side or the other. He says that the way to overcome those is to come up with new solutions that haven't yet been thought of, that kind of transcend the divides. And that's the ideal that I think he's holding out for here.
1: Exactly, Colleen. He wants to go beyond the polarization. He wants to find a new synthesis.
0: And I guess the the critique of that could be, you know, that's a nice idea, but we need, like, solutions now. So, I don't know, what would you say to that?
1: Well, uh, this is the problem. These are questions you're not going to get instant solutions. There is a certain kind of industrial productive mentality of which we've all absorbed in some ways that we must resolve the problem now. What Francis is saying, it's not a mature question yet. Mm. We have to see the bigger dimensions. Maybe there will be much bigger dimensions than anybody had thought of when they proposed that he ordain married deacons. Maybe the church will move in a, in a much bigger way than has been anticipated. And I think Francis, this is what he's talking about. He, he wants a wide church discussion, reflection, reflection, on the final document of the Synod. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the question you mentioned earlier about uh, he didn't want to give the green light to the ordination of women deacons, he speaks about he fears that this is what he calls an attempt to clericalize. Francis, in the document, he tries to separate ministry from power. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So his vision Of a community, of a parish, is where the lay people have the power in running the parish. And the priest, the ordained minister, is celebrating the Eucharist, administering the sacrament of reconciliation, and perhaps the anointing of the sick. And Francis is trying to slowly, slowly get the Catholic world to understand that power. Is not linked to ordination as such.
0: Yeah, we've talked a lot about about clericalism and its its you know connotations of power uh, before, and I think that is like very much the perception of a large part of the church. But it's also true that the way that most parishes in you know this Amazon, especially rainforest interior region, function is that they're run by lay people and that priests. You know, just come in uh, every once in a while to to celebrate these sacraments. But I think the thing that struck me about this was, you know, I don't know. He's he's calling for women to kind of continue doing much of the good work that they've been doing to to keep the church alive, and many of those seem to overlap with the responsibilities that a deacon would have. Um, but you know, he doesn't want to clericalize women. He doesn't want to ordain them to the diaconate, what he does say is he wants them to have different forms of power, which is which is what we talked about just a second ago, where he wants them to have um, stable roles that are given with a commission from the bishop and have an official standing in, in the parish. Um, I, I did have a really concrete question about this for you because I, I wasn't able to find this out. Um, Francis, you know, had talked about reopening the research commission into women deacons that he had started years ago um, that kind of not stalled, but we didn't hear about it for a while. And then at the end of the synod, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he said that he was going to reopen that, but then he says in this document that he wouldn't have women deacons. So I'm wondering where that stands.
1: That commission did not come up with a unanimous position on some of the issues he has said that he will reconvene that commission but he didn't it's not in the document as such what what's in the document and i think this is the point that francis wants to make clear he wants the development in the amazonian church of a lay culture and he wants also the bishops to recognize lay people to give them authoritative roles Recognized publicly for a period of time, including both men and women. Uh, Francis is looking, he's, he's not into the business of maintenance, keeping the parishes going as they were today. He wants to shake them up. You remember in July 2013 when he went to the World Youth Day in Rio?
0: This was right at the beginning of his papacy, right?
1: Absolutely. And he came. And he met the young Argentinians. There were hundreds, thousands that came down there, and he met them. And he said, Hagen Leo. And everybody said, some translated, create a mess. No, no, he meant, shake it up. Mm -hmm. Go back home and shake up your parishes. And that's what he, as Pope, is trying to do.
0: All right, Jerry, uh, I think that's probably a great place for us to wrap up that story. If our listeners want to find the full document created at Amazonia, along with our many different analyses of this document, I will link to those in the show notes. All right, Jerry, uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week.
1: Thank you, Colleen. Uh, There's a lot to discuss, and I hope our listeners are enjoying it.
0: If you are enjoying it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or just rate the show. Uh, Both of them really help us get the word out about Inside the Vatican. Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at our William J. Shirt studio in New York City. This week's episode was produced by Tucker Redding. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. Our audio engineer is Isabel Seneschal. Our studio manager is J.R. Kronheim. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Delhi. We'll see you next week.